Well, hey, everybody, how you doing? We're on episode 11 of our midweek podcast. And this week, we're looking at the close encounter of Joseph with his son, Jesus. Not necessarily literally Jesus, but the, the whole lead up to Jesus coming and how he reacts to the reality that he's about to become a dad, but not a dad of his own son. It's it's this amazing story, and if you want the text for this, you can find it in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. And today on the episode, I actually have Pastor Marvin with us. So how's it going, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks, Josh. Well, uh, the reason I wanted you here is because this, this story of Joseph, I thought was one of the most profound encounters we've looked at so far. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is because at the end of the day, here is this man who is raising a child that's not even his. Yeah. He finds out by divine providence through an angelic visitation that, okay, you're, this woman that you're betrothed to is actually going to have the son of God. Yeah. And you have to deal with all of these things. But but the way you, you brought it out in your sermon, how he cared for Mary in the middle of what seemed mm. like such a big scandal, yeah. I thought was oh, just, just an incredible... An incredible example of what the what gr- experiencing Jesus can put out in a person. Yeah, yeah. This amazing sense of grace yeah. that leads people to treating folks uh, yeah. not only well, but with care and with dignity. And so I, I, I yeah. thought that was great. So today we're going to look at two questions, two quotes that you made in your sermon. And uh, I'm going to ask you a question from there. Is that, that okay? Yeah, that's good. Okay, great. Okay, so the first quote was this. Is Christmas is not a legend that teaches us to live better lives. Christmas is God's answer to my sin because I could never live a good enough life to atone for my sins. So the question is, why is it so difficult for us to acknowledge that we need to be saved from sin, which is essentially being saved from ourselves? Yeah. I think that the difficulty is that when you look at somebody else, you can recognize their sin. Mm -hmm. But... We often are so uh, blind to our own sin. It's, you know, when we talk about blind spots in our lives, it's about being blind to the things that everybody else knows about us, but we don't know about ourselves. And so I think this sense of, uh, uh, you know, we're good, we're okay. We, we always can find somebody who is worse than us, who is more of a sinner than we are. Uh, you know, we're very, very good at justifying ourselves. We're actually very good at... Uh, um, you know, talking ourselves out of feeling guilty about things often mm. we, we probably should feel guilty for sins that we've committed. I just think it's difficult for us to acknowledge that we are sinful, that we're, at, at our core, we are selfish. And uh, I think that's from, from, uh, from day one. So you don't have to teach a baby to be selfish. You have to teach a baby to be unselfish uh, as the child grows and... Uh, we're born with a sin nature, but we often don't think of it in those terms because we see we always are looking for somebody who is better than we are. We're looking to justify ourselves. That's kind of the essence of of the human nature is this I, this this idea that we're okay, we're good. Um, uh, everybody else is bad. I can see the bad in somebody else, but don't tell me what's bad in my life uh, because that's that's too painful to acknowledge. So uh, I think that's just kind of how we live. That's human nature. So why do we struggle with Jesus then, for, for the most part? Because I think we want to do it ourselves. Right. So we, we know that there needs, there's behavior that needs to change. We know yeah. that there's 
acts, thoughts, whatever they need to change. Right. And so we want to be the ones that do it ourselves. And yet, even Christians have a struggle with this idea of depending on Christ yeah. to overcome that stuff. And so how how do Christians, how do, how do people that follow Jesus get over that? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think for those who don't know the Lord, they don't have any context. So self-improvement, I'm going to try better next time. Okay, I really blew it. Mm. I really hurt maybe my spouse or maybe hurt somebody at work. I'm just going to try harder, do better, uh, because there is that within us. But I think for the believer, I, th- I think we just need to come to that place where we acknowledge our own sinfulness, our own weakness, and say, Jesus, I really need you. Holy Spirit, I am so dependent on you. So it's not just a matter of I'm going to try harder, but uh, Jesus, in honor of you, I'm going to live differently. So it's, and I think as you grow, you know, the Bible talks about growing in the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus. I find that uh, I'm I'm just, I'm better when I've spent time with Jesus. (laughs) I, I just, I behave better. Uh, I treat people better uh, when I've just been on my face before God mm-hmm. and when I'm in, in, in communion with, with Him, uh, when I'm very aware of the work of the Spirit in my life. I think all of those, you know, and it sounds almost simplistic, but it gets back to the simple thing of spiritual disciplines, of ensuring that my heart is right with God, that uh, that I'm, I'm making, sh- you know, my, my accounts are kept very short. Uh, in terms of the sin that is in my life, and mm-hmm. just knowing, I, you know, I can. There's a measure of self improvement, but mm-hmm. but I'll never come to that place uh, that I need to be without uh, acknowledging that I really need the Lord in this. Right. So, so there's also this movement though in the church that goes to this this place of saying, well, I'll never I'll never have a good enough life anyway. It's all on Christ, and it's almost like this extreme sense of grace. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, you know, it's all under grace. So when it comes down to what I, my responsibility in it, you know, it's really up to Jesus. Right. And so there's there seems to be this disconnect between what grace actually is and yeah. what it should produce in terms of the way somebody lives their lives. H- have you seen that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, I've actually encountered people who are really big on grace, but very short on graciousness mm-hmm. and living mm-hmm. out that grace. So I think there's the aspect of grace that is imputed to us through Christ. He became sin. We became the righteousness of, of God in Christ through Christ. And so I, there is a part that God plays in sanctification, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah. And then there's a part that I play, and that part is cooperation. Oh, yeah. the, and... and uh, I think we'll we'll probably touch on this a little bit later. Uh, just the whole idea that, you know, Joseph was righteous, but he was also gracious, and how that played itself out mm-hmm. in his life. Um, he just sought to do the right thing, and when when the Bible talks about the fact that he was righteous, it was under the old covenant that he was a guy who really, you know, was striving to be pleasing to God in the best way that he mm-hmm. knew how. And uh, I think there is a posture of that, not, not that I can produce that righteousness. The righteousness has already been produced for me. I need to now live in that righteousness. I think mm-hmm. that's the distinction. No, that's good. That's good. So the, the, the second quote that I took out of your sermon was this. Whoever said that obedience to God will simplify your life didn't talk to Joseph. Doing God's will 
complicated his life. Following through with what was right put him on a difficult path. We all really struggle, I think, with this thing of God's will. Like, what is God's will for me in this area or that area? And we think that the minute we we walk into the will of God, everything should be really easy for us. And what you really brought out was this was not easy for Joseph. This was actually very difficult for him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the implications for his own life, but then really what he, he chose, how it, it could affect Mary's life, his reputation, all of that stuff. So the question is, what are some practical ways someone can stay focused and encouraged as they obey God's will in a difficult season of life? Yeah, I think that when we're in a difficult season, when, when, especially when there's physical or emotional or mental pain involved, what we want is we want to get out. And mm. so we, we just, that that's becomes our focus rather than how do I walk in God in God's ways? How do I walk in obedience to what God wants me mm. to do in the midst of a difficult time? And, uh, you know, thinking about some pra- practical ways I'm going to stay focused and encouraged. Number one is just remember the character of God. God is good. Even when my, difficult, my, when my situation is bad, mm-hmm. God is still good. So God hasn't yeah, changed in the midst of it. Uh, the other is that that you really have to take a long term look at at your life and 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 really put it into eternal perspective. So the difficulties we're in, I think Paul calls them, uh, you know, these temporary difficulties. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may not seem very temporary. They may may actually feel like they are many many years long, but in the light of eternity. So you took you're taking a much longer look, and. Uh, obedience in the short term is hard and difficult. Obedience, though, in the long run, I think we've all lived, most of us have long, lived long enough to know that obedience to God actually brings some incredible outcomes, some mm-hmm. good, positive outcomes on the other end. So I think, you know, if Joseph would have been very short-sighted, hmm. he would have said, no, I, 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 I'm not doing this. I'm walking away. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm going to, Mary can raise this kid on her own. I don't know whose baby it is. Um, but one of the things I really uh, kind of leapt out at me as I was studying this was uh, verse 20 of the, of the passage. It says, but after he'd considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And this whole idea of, of considering, uh, you know, which carries the idea of pondering, of turning it over in one's mind. And I think I mentioned on, on, on the weekend that, that pondering is actually the godly alternative to reacting. Hmm. And I think in the you know, if you react, you actually circumvent the ability for to to uh, uh, really navigate these 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 difficult waters, these white waters. Well, uh, pondering actually puts you in a place where the Holy Spirit can work, can teach, can speak, uh, can calm you down, can and it actually made space then for Joseph to have, to receive this angelic mm. visit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, had he have reacted. You just kind of wonder, right? You know, would, would there have been an angelic visit? Would, would yeah. God have intervened, or would God have found another way? Would God have found another another man to, uh, you know, step up and and become the earthly father of Jesus? But but I love the fact that that he, you know, he considered this, and it was after he considered this that the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, and uh, and it's really in that posture of considering and pondering that that he allowed the spirit to speak to him and eventually an angel to uh, to tell him 
what was going on and to lay it out for him. So I think if you're, you know, if you're listening to this, you're in a difficult place. Maybe, uh, maybe the pressure is on, uh, uh, you know, stay true to the, stay true to obedience because mm. in the end, um, and you know, don't react. Uh, it's a difficult time. This, this, this too will pass. This season yeah. will pass and pondering, inviting the Holy Spirit in on to, into the journey is actually what's gonna what's gonna help you come out better on the other end. Well, it's so hard to see, to see that. And you actually sent me an article. I don't know, maybe six months ago, a Carrie Newhoff article. For those that don't know, Carrie Newhoff is like a, a leadership, a church leadership guru in in some senses. Uh, and it was an article that said the decisions you make in your twenties and thirties, mm-hmm. you actually feel in yeah. your fifties and sixties. Yeah. And in your own life, have you found that to be true? Like the the, the decisions that you made to obey God yeah. in your twenties and thirties, are are you seeing the fruit of that now? Right. So, you know, Kerry Newhoff, he was probably quoting from somebody, but he was probably. referring to um, often the financial decisions you make, the relationship decisions you make. Mm-hmm. Most of the most of the, uh, the the decisions that kind of carry through for the rest of your life are made in your twenties. Uh, and uh, and they're long reaching and long lasting in their effect, and absolutely like when I think of um, people who in their twenties go into take on significant amounts of debt, you know they can kind of weather that, uh, though that's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But when you get into your fifties and you you still have overwhelming debt and your mortgage is killing you and uh, you just have, it's been unrelenting. The decisions you made in your 20s, now you can't escape them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or it's pretty difficult to escape them. Same with relationships. So yeah. the relationship decisions you make in your 20s, uh, I would say to a young adult, um, be in that posture of considering and and inviting the Lord into those decisions because it's so easy to step into uh, some you know into a decision a relationship decision where you are reacting mm-hmm. either to loneliness or to to pain or whatever it is that's motivating it um, you know somebody said you should, should never make major decisions when you are hungry angry uh, what's the the acronym is halt uh, yeah. yeah lonely or lonely. tired yeah hungry angry lonely or tired because those become reactions and those actually shape your life in ways that yeah. you hope they never would have, but they do. Yeah. And I, I would even say in positive senses in terms of the, the, the emotions, right? So like, yes. even if it's high euphoria, mm-hmm. don't make a crazy decision because yes. somebody's making you feel good exactly. in, in, yeah, in a yeah. moment, right? right like right. feelings right. aren't facts necessarily. Yeah. So. And often the decisions that really bite us in our, in our 50s are really sins that we've committed in our 20s. That's we good. maybe not, don't even see them as sins, wow. but but you know, looking back, I'd say, okay, call them mistakes, call them what you will, but they are they're when I live my life outside of the ideals that God has set up in the scriptures, they do come back to bite you. Yeah. And uh, you feel them more acutely, I think in your 50s and 60s. Wow. So so how would you talk to somebody who is in their 50s and 60s who is feeling that like is right. the redemption for them? Is there is there coming back from some of those decisions in some senses? Yes, there. I think there there always is, but it, it, I think it requires enormous amounts of sacrifice and work. Then, right, and uh, and often by the time you're in speaking from experience, by the time you're in your late fifties, 
you don't have the will to, or you, you, you have such entrenched <laughs> patterns that it's yeah. difficult to make that change. So, uh, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give up hope on, a, on a, somebody who's in their 50s and 60s. But on the other hand, I think I'd want to talk to people in their 20s and say, yeah. um, you know, really consider where you're going, what you're doing. Obediences to God in your 20s will set you up for much better in a much better place when you're in 50s and 60s. No, it's so good. So good. Well, thank you for those jewels of wisdom. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I think it's great. Because uh, at the end of the day, I think Joseph's story is, is really that. Like he is, he's deciding to go after something and to obey in a way that is really uncomfortable. And we don't, I think people just naturally don't like being uncomfortable. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I don't. I mean, we want comfort. And so sure. the very fact that we're, we're, engaging it and looking at it and saying that that uncomfortable piece sometimes can actually lead you to a lot of great stuff later on yeah. is uh, I think is an important uh, important thing for us to learn so so thank you for that thanks great. for being on the yeah, podcast no, today great. thanks Josh. yeah that's thanks great for all you do so everybody again uh, all of the small group questions are going to be at the uh, the podbean site so that's elamchurch.podbean.com if you're looking to download all of the other episodes you can find them at iTunes. Uh, as well as Podbean. So iTunes, just search up Elam Church. We're the first church that's there. And if you have any any wonderings, if you want to find out any more about our church, you can find that at elamchurch.ca. You can follow us on Facebook as well as Instagram. We're on there. So hey, thank you so much for listening. We, we appreciate the fact that you're taking the time to do this. And we will see you next week. Have an incredible, incredible Wednesday. Great Wednesday, everybody. See you. Bye-bye.